0: Hi, and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I'm Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member.
1: And I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University. Today we get to chat about transitioning roles from patient care to leadership with Tina Livaday, our chief nursing officer.
0: Welcome, Tina.
1: Thanks, Doug. And hello. I'm really excited to be here today. Tina, I'm so excited, too, that we have the chance to talk today about your career journey and the lessons you've learned along the way in transitioning roles from uh, patient care to leadership. And I'd love for our listeners to hear about your full career journey. So take us back in the Wayback Machine. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the beginning And please share your roles in patient care and then how you progressed through your career to chief nursing officer. Sure, Grace. I'd be happy to.
2: Um, So I did start in the village in Davida in 1995. Yes, it seems very long ago. Um, And it was actually total renal care at the time. So it was our predecessor before we came Davida. And I started as a patient care technician while I was in nursing school. And my uh, original intent was to work through the summer, get some medical experience while I completed school, and then move on to pediatrics, (laughs) I thought at the time. Um, Ah, pediatrics. Yes, yes. It's a typical nurse. Very uh, close. Very close (laughs) to what you're doing now, right? (laughs) Totally aligned. Um, But what happened was uh, that summer, as I was working as a patient care technician, I I just simply fell in love with uh, what we do, in terms of the care that we um, give to our patients, the bond that we can create with them and their family members, and then ultimately Mm. with our our teammates within our clinics as well as well. So I just I absolutely loved it. It wasn't like any other experience that I was having throughout nursing school and and other settings, and so um, I, I loved the work. And then simultaneously my grandmother was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease. And I just became personally involved uh, with a personal purpose to really create a positive impact on patients who had chronic kidney disease um, as as a result of the journey that I had with her that summer. And so I uh, Mm. was blessed then after Um, that summer to uh, graduate nursing school and um, continue to work at the clinic while I completed nursing school. And and then I was offered a um, staff nurse position and uh, gladly accepted and had the ability to work in all of our modalities from chronic to acute and and home. Um, And then moved into various leadership roles from um, running a facility as an administrator to a regional director and then eventually a divisional vice president, and then most recently I was working with our hospital services team and leading our clinical um, and nursing uh, strategy for that group nationally, and so I'm super excited now that I will be moving into the new chief nursing officer role, and, and looking forward to the future.
0: Congratulations on that move, Tino. We're just uh, what what a what a blessing to have you leading and uh, and being in that role, just it's so cool. And really amazing to hear how you fell in love with dialysis, fell in love with that direct patient care, and just um what a what a gift, what a gift you are to all that you've touched. and and I'm also sure that it probably wasn't a completely smooth path and and that there were challenges along the way. So tell us about, some of the challenges in moving from a frontline caregiver role into your first management role where you were still in the clinic with patients, but you weren't the one providing the direct patient care.
2: Sure. And, and Doug, you were hundred percent correct. It, it was not always easy and there were certainly challenges and I can tell you I've stubbed my toe along the way for sure. Um, and I think, um, you know, when I was uh, promoted within a clinic, To be a facility administrator, I was promoted within the clinic where I was, you know, started as a PCT as well as a registered nurse and then became the leader of that clinic. And I think for me, the biggest challenge was really trying to figure out how to manage my time and then how to leverage and empower my team through delegation. And it really took some time for me to understand how to continue to feel connected and uh, to my my team, to my patients, while still being able to do this new role that was much more expanded in scope. Um, and, you know, you might have heard this before, but as a caregiver and a nurse, you know, there is a tendency to want to jump back in to do patient care directly when there yeah. are issues mm-hmm. or challenges that arise, I mean, it's it's what we do as a nurse, right? We care for patients, and yet, um, as a as a new leader, um, and in this case, you know, I was a facility administrator. Yeah, you know, I had other levels of accountability and demands on my time that that were outside of directly caring for our patients at the bedside, and so therefore, there there does need to be a balance and figuring out how to support your team, how to continue to support your patients, um, and yet also ensuring that you're creating the right amount of space and capacity to lean into your new role um, and be effective. And and it can be a challenge, it was for me.
1: That's a great point, Tina. And I I think for anyone, even if you haven't been a direct uh, patient caregiver, I think that is a theme I hear Uh, for those who are going from individual contributor roles to more of the manager of individual contributor roles. And there's this idea that the value of the work of the individual contributor feels uh, bigger than the value of the work as a manager, sometimes, and so people have a hard time letting go, thinking that they're doing valuable work. And I would just imagine, since I've never been uh, personally a direct patient caregiver in my career, that that's got to be amplified so much more when you are uh, are literally saving lives with your hands. Uh, to to see that the value of managing people who do that, rather than getting that that your own like satisfaction from doing it yourself. So I can certainly appreciate the challenge that you had to go through there. So I'd love to hear a little bit more, Tina, about perhaps a specific example or a time period of or specific set of days, whatever it was when you were having some difficulty letting go of that direct patient care and, you know, that sense that you're doing that most valuable work in your in your mind. What impact did that have on you and your team?
2: Yeah, sure. It, um, I can think back to the time that I just shared when I was newly promoted to a facility administrator. Um, I had a young family at the time. So I, I am a mother of two sons. And uh, mm. those young sons are now men who are in college. So uh, it's definitely been a while. Uh, but, <laughs> but at that time, um, they were little Um, And it was a real struggle for me to figure out how to balance my my new role and being present for my family. And the reason why was because I wasn't being proactive enough in how I was managing my time, as I mentioned earlier, and really ensuring that I was focused on my work when I was at work. Um, in my new role as a facility administrator and not continuing to focus on doing the day-to-day work of caring for patients on the floor as a nurse. So what was happening is I wasn't getting my work done during the day. And so as a result, I was taking my work home at night, right? And then sitting there and really struggling with the ability to connect with my young boys, have dinner with my family. Um because mm-hmm. I still needed to get my work done and and you know, of course, I wanted to do a great job and and meet the deadlines that i was um that I was given um and so I did struggle greatly with this just kind of compelling need to figure out or compelling need to jump back in to help on the floor and and it's either because you know I felt like they needed me or I thought that they needed me. Or you know, at times I, as I reflect on this, it was also my comfort zone, um, and so I was a little uneasy mm. as I was learning to mm-hmm. be a new leader, learning new skills, had new demands on myself, and so I had a tendency to go back to what was what was comfort for me, and that was and what I knew how to do really well, which was caring caring for patients, um, and so you know, I I learned fairly quickly that you know my my. Charge was to be a leader of the clinic, and that I needed to figure out how to set my team up for success uh, in order to manage our patients successfully and have me as the new leader manage my role and that clinic at large successfully. Um, and I I was not empowering my team to do that. And so what I what I found is um, the most important approach that I took and that I found to be effective is really to to be upfront and have really transparent conversations and communications with m- with my team, I did at that time, about what what were my expectations, what were their expectations of me. And then how we could together come up with some boundaries around when did they really need me to lean in? And when did I just think they needed me, right? Um, or or mm. when I wanted to mm, from a good comfort point. perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it was really important for me to figure that out. And, and we did together. Um, and you know, what I learned is it also empowered them, um, as nurse leaders on the floor to, to run the floor and handle our patient care issues as they arose, which I, I was not empowering them previously.
0: What a beautiful journey. Thank you so much for being willing to share that Tina. I'm sure I mean, I'm hearing that that idea of comfort zone, and like, I just know, even in my current role today, how I can drift towards those activities I feel comfortable with, and have to really use uh, systems and processes and whatnot to push me into those places of growth and learning. So, um, great to hear that journey, and also, you know, wondering if you'd be willing to take us a step further here and share the challenges of moving into leadership outside of the clinic and, and what that journey was like for you?
2: Sure, Doug. Um, and what I would say in my experience, I've, I've found that those transitions are similar, yet they also have different challenges. Um, and for me, when I moved outside of the clinic into a broader scale role as a, as a group administrator and then eventually a regional director, I had an um, an immense sense of grief and loss. Um, I felt, you know, really sad. I, I missed the interactions that I had with patients on a daily basis, with my team on a daily basis. And, you know, and then on top of that, it's yet another new role and you're feeling a little bit uneasy and you're learning new skills. um, And, and I was literally like moving into an, an office setting, which was quite different for me um, from being in a clinic Mm. medical Mm -hmm. space. Um, and then on top of that, I didn't know how I should be spending my time. Um, I, I just really felt that I was floating in this Mm. sense of not knowing which way I should go, how I should spend my time and how to maintain kind of the energy and the, 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 you know, connectivity Mm. that I had
1: felt when I was in a clinic. Those are powerful words to use to describe those feelings, Tina, the grief and loss. And I think it's so important for people to take a moment and reflect upon what it is they might be feeling. And that's great for you to have acknowledged that that was what was happening for you. I'd love to hear, how did you manage through those powerful emotions of of grief and loss and in, in how you were transitioning?
2: Yeah, Grace, I, I think for me, I... I needed to take some time to process it, acknowledge it, and then process it. Um, and and understand that I think in any role transition, you, you you have a tendency to feel unease. So that was part of it as well. So I needed to recognize that and and then give myself some time to adjust, adjust to a new role, understand what I should be doing, how I should be spending my time. And then more importantly, to think about like that, that sense of, of grief and loss is I needed to think and connect the dots for myself around how my new role tied back to my purpose as a caregiver. And as I shared earlier, that was to positively impact patients with CKD based on my experience with my grandmother. And, you know, once I took that time to really reflect, adjust, kind of, you know, normalize in my new role, you know, I quickly realized. Wow, what a great opportunity this new and expanded role allowed me to really really fulfill my personal purpose at a much higher level. And so the impact that I was able to have on patients in the new role um, was was just at a broader scale that I wouldn't have been able to do within the singular clinic. And so I think you know tying back to my purpose was really important in terms of how I manage that grief, and then, then figuring out, okay, how do I con- um, continue to drive that connectivity that I really thrived on um, in the clinic setting? And that was, it just looked differently. you know. So I, I started doing active rounding as a leader, active listening in meaningful ways with my patients and my teammates as I visited um, at my clinics. And so ultimately I found a a renewed sense of purpose and and fulfillment in in my new role outside of the clinic.
0: Tina, it's so great to hear you talking about the importance of purpose. And and I think that's something that we hold and, and talk about in the village quite a bit in terms of, you know, sometimes you'll hear it related to as our credo or our purpose and just amazing to hear how that became the center like your true north and and anchoring point and you know wondering if you can say a little bit more about how did you find the balance for yourself in maintaining your deep sense of purpose and connection to that patient care um and leading at scale how did you do that
2: yeah it's it's a great question, Doug, and I think that it's certainly a challenge. And, um, I would say was probably the biggest learning experience that, that I experienced as a leader. Um, and what I learned was that, um, really quickly is that it's so important to show up as your authentic self as a leader, um, which is driven by your purpose and by your credo, as you just mentioned. Um, and when I was going through the transition, like outside of the clinic, as an example, you know, I, I thought that there was an expectation. Um, no one said that there was this expectation, but I thought, I felt like there was this expectation of how I should show up in a certain way. You know, I, I now had an mm. office. I now wore business clothes when I previously wore scrubs. I was talking about finance and p ls when before I was talking about, you know, patient-level critical lab values or um, facility-level outcomes and activities. And so it was, it was such a big and significant change. And so I, you know, originally thought that I had to show up in this certain way of that business person and not, not who I really am, mm. which is ultimately, mm. I like that. you know, a, a nurse, in a business role, you know, with a very clear purpose and credo, yeah. And um, and so that was the just the hardest thing for me to learn. And 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 you know, honestly, for a period of time, I was I was miserable. I made myself miserable because I I was showing up and acting like someone that wasn't authentic to who I am. Um, and so you know, once I I spent time and reflecting on that and regrounding and my purpose and my credo. Um, you know, I quickly realized that it's okay for me to be myself and I can be both a great business leader and a great operator and be a nurse and a caregiver with a purpose simultaneously. And and once I was able to kind of wrap those two things together, it just created an immense amount of um, or sense of freedom for me that really allowed me to kind of flourish and really recognize the gift of of leading at scale.
1: I really loved the way you said you that you've started thinking of yourself as a nurse, or you said nurse as a business leader. Is that right? Yeah, a business leader who is also a nurse. A business right? leader who is always I a mean, nurse I mean I am a yeah. nurse
2: at heart. Yes.
1: That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I that's what I love about this village is there are so many business leaders who are nurses, who are all nurses at heart. And I love seeing the career uh, trajectory because you you can bring so much value to have both of those things. And you don't just have to choose one or the other. You bring all of that with you in your roles and can can add value in ways that others can't when they only have one or the other. So I love having that mix here in our village. And thanks uh, thanks for giving us the language for that. And so tell us a little bit, Tina, then in terms of the opportunities. So there's, there must have been opportunities, benefits. I know you shared a little bit about this. But could you say a little bit more about when you experienced moving into leadership roles with broader and broader scope, what were some of those benefits and opportunities that you started realizing as you did?
2: Yes, um, as I mentioned earlier, you know my my purpose was to positively impact patients with CKD, and so what I found is this is immense benefit is that as I've moved into broader roles, I have absolutely have had the ability to have um, a greater impact at scale on patients and care delivery. So in each broader and expanded role that that I've had. I've I've been able to have more of an impact on uh at scale of of how patients experience the care delivery process. I've been a part of reimagining care delivery and uh and experiences at large and now across an entire organization and so what what greater way uh that I could, you know, live my purpose. Um and, and so, you know, another thing that I've I've learned as a, an immense benefit and something that I think has just become more and more and more exciting to me is now that um, I have the ability to impact our teammates and fellow new nurses. Um, I was a young nurse starting out, and I uh, greatly valued other mentors and other nurse leaders. And, and so now I'm excited about that ability in a broader role. And, and broader responsibilities, that I have the ability to ensure that we can focus on the new generation of nurses and building nurse leaders, business leaders, if that's where they choose to go, um, but it, you know, in a way that focuses on their own growth and development and, and really ensuring that they have the same opportunities that I've been given here within our great village. Um, and, and at the end of the day, that also feeds my purpose because great nurse leaders impacts great patient care um and so it's super exciting to me and 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 has been a fun journey in each step that I've taken.
0: It's a great transition, Tina, into this next piece that that I think is really interesting to explore, and that's looking at those um you know nurse nurses that are interested in potentially considering becoming a a business leader as well. And how do you coach those that are looking at at exploring that as an option of moving away um, from caregiving directly and moving into more of a business leader role?
2: Yeah, Doug. It, this is one of my most favorite things to do. As I said, mentoring and growing mm. uh, young nurses and new leaders, and um, yeah. my approach to this has has really been um, to help them learn about themselves, understand you know where their passions lie, what their personal purpose is, and then you know where their strengths are, and and then how to tap into those strengths and leverage leverage those strengths, and so. It's about putting, from my perspective, the right time and energy into learning and growing and then figuring out what the right fit is for you. And for some, that is, you know, to continue in patient-facing roles. And then for others, it's it's to move away from that as I did. And both of those, um, those movements are equally important. Um, I'll share just a quick uh, story. I I was just uh, in a clinic, visited uh, one of our clinics and one of our hospital programs here in my local market this week. And um, I had the ability to reconnect with a nurse that was in my division when I was a divisional vice president. And at that time, she cool. was thinking about transitioning to a leader role. And um, when she was trying to decide about you know whether or not moving away from the bedside was the right move for her. We we did spend a lot of time discussing what was her purpose, um, what gave her energy, where Mm -hmm. did her passions lie and her strengths, et cetera. And um, and so we worked towards, you know, small steps into leader roles alongside her administrator at the time. Um, And so she took some small steps of ownership of the schedule. She moved into some ownership of some other projects. She went to our leadership class, which I know you're well aware of, of DSSL, Um, And she eventually became a clinical coordinator. And so when I met her this week and reconnected with her, she's an administrator and she is doing fabulous. Um, And it was so exciting to see. Um, And then there's another nurse that I've recently mentored. Um, and have worked with. and it's it's a different story. After she spent time reflection, you know, during doing reflection, and we talked about different opportunities and 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 career journeys and and really understanding what um, drove her passion and what her purpose was, she elected to stay at the bedside. Um, mm-hmm. and and you know, she's doing fabulous now. She's thriving by being an awesome nurse, giving great care. And she's also in a preceptor role, and so she's also contributing to her her fellow teammates in a remarkable way. Um, so my approach is, you know, it's it's about finding what's right for you, and you know, if you tie it back to uh, living your purpose then you're going to make the right decision and you're going to find the right fit in terms of whatever
1: decision that might be. What a great way to frame that, Tina, and to share those two different stories with two different outcomes. And there's no one right answer. There's no common definition of you've you've got to go this path and you've got to do this to be successful. And that's wonderful to hear how you've coached others. And hopefully, as people are listening, if they're considering um, a similar move or path, it'll be helpful for them, like you said, to reconnect with purpose and and ask them those questions that you've been asking others to, to reflect on. Wonderful way to think about it. Well, Tina, it is about that time. We are at the end of our episode here, and we always end our podcast the same way with One question that we ask our guests, which is, what's one practical, tactical tip? If you had to choose um, across all the many that you shared today, what would be the one that you could ask anyone out there who's considering moving from direct patient care to, um, like you said, a business leader type role? What would you uh, say to them that they could go out and try right away?
2: Sure. I I would say first, um, be your best self. And, and a leader in whatever role you're in today, whether that's patient-facing role or, or another role, right? Uh, be your best self and and make sure that you're creating positive ripples of influence around you, um, which ultimately has massive impacts on others. Um, and then second, I would say, you know, try it out, Um I, you know, I believe baby steps are the best steps. And I just shared a story of a, of a nurse that became a future leader. And, and so I would encourage you work with your leader, figure out what you could take ownership of now from a small scale perspective and, and see if it fits and ultimately if it's the right choice for you. And again, I'll just remind you that um, it's always the right choice when you're serving your personal purpose and calling.
0: Thank you so much, Tina. It's awesome to chat with you. Thanks for spending some time with us this morning.
2: Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tina.
0: That was an inspiring discussion with Tina. I love her tip at the end to be your best self and be a leader in your role today.
1: Completely agree, Doug. And in um, speaking of tips, it's my turn to follow up on the tip from our last episode with Jen Basel on how to manage life. I loved her tip at the end to just take a look at your calendar, whether it's work or personal, figure out where you can trim, even if it's a small amount. And Doug, that's been a huge game changer for me and my calendar. Uh, As I'm sure you you recall, I always start all of my meetings five minutes after. So 30 minutes or one hour, I'll do the 05 or the 35, for example. I think I've mentioned that on the podcast before, definitely a game changer in terms of getting time back, time to recharge, time to get a snack or a drink or anything like that. So helpful for my day and such um, a way to feel like I've got control back in my life. So I would definitely recommend that to others in trying her tip as well.
0: Awesome. And it's, you know, it's those little things, right, Grace? I mean, if you just did all the tips that we recommended here in the podcast, your life would be completely different than before you started listening, I think. No kidding. So, I don't know. I, I don't know, you know? So um, that's awesome. And for our listeners, we would love to hear all those other stories and tips that you have that could help all of the other uh, citizens of this village transform their lives. So, Please check out our show notes and click on that listener mail link to find out more about submitting your stories and tips and writing or through a voice message. And if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, I will say this every time, please click on that subscribe button so that you do not miss out on anything, any episode ever. You'll get them all. That's
1: right. (laughs) And if you enjoy these podcasts, please rate us on iTunes or click on the survey link in our show notes. So we know how we're doing. See you next time, one for all.
0: And all for one.